What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, and also at EthosFantasyBB. Now, specifically, go ahead and check out EthosFantasyBB if you haven't already. That is where all of our new baseball and fantasy baseball content will be posted from throughout this offseason and heading into next year as well. So drop a follow there. You never miss any of our podcasts or articles that will come out over there. Now, today we are going to go back to our outfield review shows. I know we've kind of gone in and out with them. We took a pause last week when we were doing our draft coverage, our draft recap, I should say. Uh, We took another pause when we were doing steamer projections. And then yesterday, there was just so much news that came out that I thought we should do a pod just focused on that. Teoscar Hernandez, Bryce Harper, Tyler Anderson, Anthony Rizzo, trades, signings, injury news. So I thought we'd take a pause and just go over the news of the day. Now, before we really get into the outfield show, I want to just discuss something from yesterday, and it's Bryce Harper. Now, I was saying, first of all, his ADP was like, 15 and it's still 50 and I had him ranked at 21 and I said I'm gonna be moving him down somewhere into the 30s and then I started seeing people specifically Mike Curland tweeted out this morning that he did a draft champions and he got Bryce Harper at 88th overall now we don't know what is going to happen exactly with Bryce is he going to miss the first month of the year is he going to we don't know until they go into that elbow and start digging around and then we'll have a clearer picture of it's going to be you know he'll be out the first few weeks of the season nothing major or he'll be out for three months. We still don't really know. And seeing other people talk, maybe, and I know you shouldn't really be influenced by other people, but sometimes you just take a step back and you listen to what the industry is saying. Maybe he will get pushed down farther than the 30s. I think right now, I'm going to pause on actually moving him anywhere until we figure out what happens with this surgery. Like, he's going to clearly fall below the 20s. Um, I still think that it's possible that he'll end up you know even around the 20 some odd range depending on what they find we really just don't know anything and that's why there is such a huge gap right now the minimum pick we were talking about it yesterday I think it was six on Bryce Harper uh yeah it is uh where is it here yeah it's pick six that is his minimum pick and actually just from yesterday to today that ADP has fallen from 15 down to 18 so he will he will continue to fall if you can get him a pick 88, I would say do it every single time. I wouldn't expect there to be a lot of drafts where he's going particularly that late, although the max pick on him is now 98. So who knows? Uh, there's really no consensus right now. I think personally that that's waiting a little bit too long. Now, we saw this year what happened with Fernando Tatis. Could be a similar kind of thing. Obviously, there was a lot more that went into it, but the general same concept of a guy comes into the year hurt, you don't really know what's going to happen. Now, obviously, the steroid stuff came into play there. He probably would have returned in the last couple months of the season, but it's a, it's a wild card drafting an injured player. I think at pick 98, you kind of have to take the bait there. Uh, it's pretty damn late in drafts, and we might get good news still. If you are drafting today, it's it's really hard to pick an exact spot where he should be going, but he's still a top 100 pick for me. Absolutely. Like, that's just completely whatever happens, he's still a top 100 pick. Even if we hear he's going to be out for two and a half, three months, you get three months of Bryce Harper, which is worthy of being a top 100 pick. I still think he's going to go a lot higher than that. And obviously, it all comes back to the first point of we don't know. So I'm going to just take a pause on Bryce Harper. We'll still keep you updated if there is any information that comes out. But as of right now, it's just impossible to really be able to tell and be able to give accurate information out there. I mean, he could be fine. He could be, you know, missing the entire season. We really don't know. So we'll reserve judgment still on Bryce Harper. He's obviously going to move down, but how far down the board, 
I think we need to just reserve judgment on that. But today, we are going to jump back into these outfielders. We're going to be talking about some guys who are around the 200 ranking for total players, not for outfielders, on the season. We're going to be talking about specifically using Yahoo rankings, guys that rank today between 170 and about 205. So the first name that we are going to be talking about is Charlie Blackman. There's actually two Rockies right at the top of the list here that we're going to be talking about today. Charlie Blackman and Randall Gritchick. And I put a poll out on Twitter uh, about an hour ago. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. By the time you, you're listening to this, you might have seen it now. Asking which Rockies outfielder would you rather have on your fantasy baseball team? Randall Gritchick or Charlie Blackman? Gritchick is going to pick 263 in early drafts. Charlie Blackman, 284. So far, 54% of people say Blackman, 46% say Gritchick. Pretty interesting. They're both obviously for the same team. They play the same position. They're going around the same range, so I thought it would be kind of interesting uh, to compare them. And they finished around the same range this season, 170 and 178. We'll start with Charlie Blackman here. He had a good season. Still, obviously, he's not going to be Charlie Blackman of what he was, you know, five, seven years ago where he was a 30 home run, 25, 30, and even in 2015, 43 stolen base threat. Uh, He was a 300 hitter. He was on, and I know Colorado kind of skews things for people, for Hall of Fame voters, but he was on what could be considered to be like a Hall of Fame trajectory there for a couple of seasons, you know, 30 home runs, uh, 80 to 100 RBIs, batting well over 300. If he was able to keep that up a little bit longer than we may have been talking, you know, some some Hall of Fame contention at this point, there's just no chance because he kind of fell off a little bit. But it was definitely uh, a conversation there for about four years or so where Charlie Blackman was hitting consistently like well over 330 home runs, close to 100 ribbies. He was incredible. Now, he's still a really solid fantasy asset. It's not, you know, he's not exceptional anymore. And people don't really expect him to be exceptional. So that's why he was going pick 217 heading into the season. He finished as the 170th overall player on Yahoo. 16 home runs, 78 ribbies. He stole four bases. Uh, he scored 60 times, and he batted 264 still. Pretty similar to what he did last year overall. Uh, he had more runs in 2021, but, you know, 16 homers versus 13. He had 78 uh, RBIs both seasons, 270 versus 264. I think this is generally going to be kind of later season Charlie Blackman. Now, there could still be some, uh, not regression, degression, I guess. Jesus, bad word. But he's going to uh, degrade as he goes down or as he gets older, I should say, Jesus, he's going to be 37 years old uh, next season in July. He's not going to steal very many bases at all, three, four, sure, maybe one or two. Uh, You can't really expect too much out of him there. 15 home runs, 70-ish RBIs, and probably in this 260 batting average kind of range. He's still going to be an all right asset, and I think where he's going, it makes sense. I picked 284. I think at that point, you will take the chance. There have been a lot of outfielders that have gone off the board by that point, and I'm going to just see how, how deep that is in terms of outfielders. It's it's pretty far down there. I know we've talked about how outfielders kind of thin out. But, you know, if you can get Charlie Blackman, he's outfielder 66 by ADP. If you're getting him in that range, then I think that you're probably going to be pretty okay with it. Uh, he's going around some guys who are still fairly safe, I think. Um, but I, I think I would take him over Lane Thomas. He's going in that same range. He's going right around the same range as Nick Gordon, Juan Yepes. I think I would take Charlie Blackman there. It's not by a, you know huge margins, but he's somebody that I feel pretty comfortable with. In Coors, obviously, you get that nice little added bonus just from existing there. And I think that we can still expect a similar stat line, 15-ish homers, 70-ish RBIs, maybe a couple steals and batting 260, 270 in a day where the average, the league batting average is about 240. It might have even dropped below that 238 or something this season. 
Uh, it was bad. So you're getting a guy where he's a plus in a few categories still that late in your draft. I wouldn't really recommend him so much if you're talking, you know, a Yahoo 12-team league. Maybe he's like your last overall pick. Beyond that, I don't think I would take the chance. But if you're talking, you know, five outfielder leagues, you got to fill out a deep roster where 750 players get drafted. Uh, obviously, he's going to be one of those guys. And I think that he's somebody who's going to go in the first half of those drafts and be somebody that you can be not maybe reliant upon, but he's going to just give you enough value where you don't really have to worry about him so much in season. He'll just hover around that 150 to 200 kind of range, still giving you value. Maybe you'll consider dropping him at some points, which is what it's kind of looked like these last couple of years. But overall, he still maintained that value. So I'm holding on to Charlie Blackman in not holding on. I'm taking him comfortably in that later part of the 200s, anywhere from you know 275 to close to 300, I'd be very comfortable with. Now, Randall Grichuk, they finished within, what was it, uh, eight spots of each other over on Yahoo this season. Grichuk finished at 178. His ADP coming into the year was 224. He was okay. I think there was a lot of people who were expecting kind of big things going to Colorado. I wasn't really huge on him, having seen him a lot these last couple of years in Toronto. He's not a great player, really. I mean... He does have some fantasy value, but it usually comes in little bunches here and there. Uh, there was a good good while this season where he didn't have much value at all. I'm going to just go to his monthly breakdowns. There was, there was a time where he eventually did pick it up, but there was also good portions of the season where you were looking at Randall Grichuk as like uh, definitely not a must-roster player, somebody who is just kind of doing okay for you. So in March and April, he batted 333 over 60 at-bats. That's fine. And then uh, May, 236, and he had three home runs. June, uh, sorry, 226 in May, 238 in June. He batted 259 in July, and through this point of the season, he had nine home runs. August, he hit four of them. September, October, he hit six of them. He kind of picked up the pace there, and he batted 337 in August, which kind of raised uh, the overall total. Between the early months and August there, that was when he was providing value, and he's kind of a pocket value kind of dude like that where, like we said, there will be portions of the year where you don't want him anywhere near your team, but if you look at the overall finished product, he is still probably worthy of a roster spot given 20, 25 homers, somewhere in the it's you know 60 to 80 RBIs, somewhere in that range. I know it's kind of a broad range, but that's what he's given you in his career. And then we have the batting average. Now, he's been a 240s kind of hitter for his career, upper 230s, lower 240s. This season, he batted 259, and that's just going to be a product of playing regularly at Coors Field. You will hit some more home runs, but the main benefit there is you will have a higher batting average. You'll have more base hits. And I think that he can be somebody who probably hits, instead of the 240 kind of range, 250, 260 kind of range going forward. So that's just a slight little benefit there. It's not really game-changing, but it's just something to remember heading into next year that Grichuk will probably exceed that career 247 batting average. Now, in these early drafts, he's going as the ADP 263. We said off the top that I have that poll out there between him and Blackman. Personally, I'm going to take Grichuk, even though he's going about a round earlier, 21 picks earlier, depending on your format, round, two rounds, whatever it is. <clears throat> I think that you, I'll take the younger guy first of all. Uh, the steals will probably be about the same between them, only two or three. And I just think Grichuk is not really on an upward trajectory, but I will take the younger guy, given there's a similar range of picks, similar range of outcomes here. Uh, I would be going with Grichuk. Not that it's, you know, you have to take Grichuk, but he would be the guy that I slightly lean to here. 
Let's move on to our next guy. It's going to be Seth Brown. He had a pretty good season. There was a point where he was being added a lot because he had a couple of hot games from what I remember, and then he was just really cold. He was dropped a lot, and then he went on a bit of a tear at the end of the season. He ended up finishing as the 184th ranked player on Yahoo. He did not have an ADP on the site coming into the season. He was not being drafted regularly. He did not have an ADP, but he finished with 25 home runs, 73 ribbies, 11 stolen bases, and a 230 batting average, also 55 runs. His early ADP is 206 based on these 22 early drafts, and I just can't get behind him there specifically because there are a lot of guys going in this range that I like a lot more. We have Brandon Nimmo, despite the fact that we don't know where he's going to play, going 10 picks above him at 195. I'd like him a lot more. I think there's a lot more certainty regarding the counting stats. I think he'll hit for a better batting average. Overall, I'd much rather have Brandon Nimmo. Alex Verdugo is going to the exact same pick as Seth Brown. We talked about him a couple days ago. I'm going to be pretty big on Alex Verdugo heading into next year. And if it's between him and Seth Brown, it's not even close for me. I'm going Verdugo. You got Jeff McNeil going about 10 picks or seven picks after Seth Brown. Definitely better batting average. Maybe some lower counting stats. Well, probably definitely lower counting stats in terms of home runs and whatnot. But I'd still think I'm a little more certain about Jeff McNeil. Uh, Lars Newbar going farther down the board. Ramon Laureano, Trey Mancini. The thing with, with Seth Brown is that he wasn't terrible with his counting stats this year. 73 RBIs, uh, 55 runs. But that's probably about as good as it gets given the scarcity in that lineup. There's just nobody there to really contribute. He could possibly hit 25 home runs. He could steal 10 bases again. But he's going to give you a bad batting average, and he's going to give you probably pretty mediocre counting stats. This is about as good as you can hope for. 73 RBIs on that team, that's probably about as good as we're going to get. So I'm not really big on him. Not that I'm hugely fading him. But, you know, the minimum pick, 178, that's crazy for me. That makes no sense. Maximum at 237, I like a little bit more. But I still think in this range, there's some decent outfielders that you can, <clears throat> excuse me, that you can take a chance on here. And you don't really need to take Seth Brown. Maybe you get to this point, you have, you know, only one or two outfielders, which you'd be, you'd be screwed, honestly, at that point. And maybe you'd want to have to take Seth Brown there. But I, I don't love it. I really don't love it. I think there are some better options. And for the most part, he's not going to be somebody that I'm drafting. Unless he falls you know, close to that 250 pick mark, that's where I'd really start to be very interested. But you know, earlier than that, I, I just can't do it. A couple more guys we're going to talk about today. Jake McCarthy, he is next. Now, he did not have an ADP on Yahoo. He was not somebody that was on many people's radars heading into the season. Uh, he finished as the 200th overall player on Yahoo. Jake McCarthy... He was a league winner for a lot of people, specifically with those stolen bases. He had 23 steals in 321 at-bats. He also hit eight homers. He had 53 runs, and he uh, knocked in 43 of them. Now, he was great. No question, he was great. The batting average was great, 283, 23 steals, obviously. He did a little bit of everything. I'm just a tad concerned about next season, about specifically how much is he going to play? You have Dalton Varsho, you have Corbin Carroll, you have Jake McCarthy, obviously, you have Alec Thomas. How is the playing time going to shape up here? I think that Alec Thomas is going to still get run. I don't think it'll be exclusively one guy as the starter and then that's it. I think they're going to bounce around their lineups, which is definitely going to be frustrating, specifically if you set your lineups weekly. I think that there's going to be, I mean, Corbin Carroll's going to play. Varsho, whether he's behind the plate or he's in, in the outfield, he's going to play. It's these other two guys where I'm a little more skeptical. Um, 
Alec Thomas isn't going until pick 340, so he's not somebody you really have to worry about so much. But Jake McCarthy is going at 146 with a minimum pick of 121. Now, I worry we could be getting ourselves into Miles Straw territory here where we take a guy specifically just hoping for a ton of steals, and then maybe he gives you those steals. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe the rest of the line isn't great. I know it's, it's not exactly the same, but I'm definitely getting those vibes of maybe we should be staying away from Jake McCarthy because we're just really banking on that one category. I mean, he's going to have for a decent average probably, uh, but we really don't know what to expect out of him over a full season yet. I can't take him at 146. I just can't do it. It's, it's too high for me. I think if you're getting him closer to the max pick, which is 191, I'd be more interested, but I don't know that I'd really want to take him over even, you know, guys we just mentioned, Brandon Nimmo. Do I want to take him over for Dugo? I don't know that I necessarily would. I, I, I can't say that I would at this point. Obviously, a lot of things will change. Maybe we have some uh, starters solidified. We hear, yes, McCarthy will be starting the year in the lineup. He'll be getting regular, blah, blah, blah. There's still a lot of information that will need to come out before we can really be sure. <clears throat> but if you're drafting right now and you coming up to round 9, round 10, I don't think I could really justify taking Jake McCarthy. Too much risk. And I think the reward could be possibly very sweet. But if you're in that range, you might be able to get, let's see, maybe Nick Castellanos going a couple rounds earlier. Um, you know, Giancarlo Stanton, Seiya Suzuki is going in that same range exactly. I'm a little more confident there. It's not a great little gap for outfielders. We have a couple guys going closer to pick 100, and then there's a little bit of a drop-off to, you know, your Stephen Kwans. And even Stephen Kwan, he's going earlier by a round or so. But I'd much rather have Stephen Kwan. We are sure he's going to be on the field. It's not that different what Stephen Kwan is going to do for you anyway. Fewer steals, higher batting average probably. Overall, fairly similar most likely. Maybe you'll have some more home runs from McCarthy, but that's all kind of predicated on his playing time. We might see 100 games out of him. He might play 140. He might play 75. It's too, there's too many unknowns at this point for me to take, a, take him in the first 10 rounds, even you know first 12 rounds probably. So Jake McCarthy... He is going to be a fade at this ADP as far as I see it. Now, one more guy we are going to talk about today, and he's somebody where you might think, oh, shit, how did he fall to this point? Well, I've said this a bunch of times. We are going down based on the Yahoo rankings, based on how they did this past season. And this guy, and we're talking totals here. We're not talking per game because I know we're in basketball mode here as well, and per game is king in basketball. But here I think it makes a lot more sense. I've said this a lot throughout the year to look at totals and total contributions. And what Luis Robert gave you, he is the guy we are going to be talking about here, it ended up being the 204th overall uh, best line of the season, I guess you could say, according to Yahoo. He had 54 runs, he had 12 homers, 56 RBIs, 11 stolen bases, and he batted 284. This was in 380 at-bats. Luis Robert can be a superstar. There is chance. There's a chance for him to be an MVP caliber player. As a 25-25 guy, with a 300 batting average, maybe even possibly a 30 home run, 30 steal guy. We don't really know what he can be because this was literally the most games he's ever played in the season, 98. We don't know what to expect out of Luis Robert. And heading into this year, people had high hopes. He was going off the board at pick 20 over on Yahoo. Now, granted, you can't really hold it against him. The fact that he did finish as where he did, it's because he missed a lot of time. And I don't like to do it, but when you look at per games, this is factoring in everybody, even guys who just played maybe one great game, and then they were sent down. They're still listed on the per-game leaderboard. Luis Robert was 94th in terms of what he gave you on average per game this season. 
if he is healthy for an entire year, he could very easily give you first-round production. He's a five-category contributor. But I just don't trust that he's going to stay healthy, at least not where he's being drafted. He's going at pick 38.82 in these early drafts. He's going ahead of guys like Randy Rosarena, like Dalton Varsho, Cedric Mullins, Teoscar Hernandez, um, Corbin Carroll, Adelise Garcia. These guys are all going like, a couple rounds later than him. And I just can't get behind it. I put him, I put Luis Robert in the same category as like a Byron Buxton, Eloy, Alberto Mondesi. I hate to even say that. George Springer. We don't know how many games they're going to play, and it's likely that they are going to miss time. So to take him this high, yes, there is crazy upside, but there's also crazy upside for Corbin Carroll, and he's going at pick 65. We haven't seen it from the same extent from him at the big league level. When Robert has been there, when he's been healthy, he's produced for the career. He is a 289 hitter. According to baseball reference, they do 162 game averages. His 162 game average would be 26 homers, 19 steals, 95 ribbies in a 289. <clears throat> now, to expect that is not going to happen. He's not going to play anywhere close to 162. Maybe he can give you a healthy season. Maybe he can give you 130, 140. But I think you're really putting yourself behind the eight ball if you expect that. And by taking him in the third round, you are saying that you expect that kind of production at least. I can't do it. I would recommend that you guys don't do it. Like I just, if he goes into the fifties or sixties, then you start getting a little more interested. But you know, minimum pick was nineteen, max was sixty. I didn't have him in my top fifty rankings. He was one of the honorable mentions. He's somebody who will be in the next few names there when when we keep ranking those guys. But to have him in this range as the eleventh outfielder, it feels crazy. And Fernando Tatis is listed ahead of him in terms of outfielders. I'm not even sure if he's going to have that designation next year. Uh, so technically, you could say Luis Robert is being drafted as a top 10 outfielder. I can't get behind it. Like a lot of guys we talked about today, I can't really get behind it at ADP until he proves that he can be on the field more regularly than we've seen. It could really ruin your draft if you take him in the third. Like, you could hypothetically... Really screw yourself if you go for, let's say, you already drafted. You might have taken Bryce Harper at the end of the first. I'm just trying to see if there's a path where you could have Harper and then you could have uh, Luis Robert. I think, yeah, you could. Uh, let's say you drafted end of the first, mid-first. Mid it, it's possible. Like You could really pick a risky team here with these guys, and I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, I would definitely go, especially in the first few rounds, go with what you know. Go with safe guys who are not going to be injured heading into the year. Specifically, that's definitely a red flag. Uh, and guys who don't have such a checkered past in terms of staying on the field. When he's going to be out there, when he is out there, he'll be elite. I just don't trust it over the course of a whole season. The volume will likely not be there. So guys, that will wrap it up for us today. We will continue back with some outfielders tomorrow. And I think that will conclude outfielders for now. We spent a long time on them. And we're going to start thinking about pitching. We're going to have Michael Simeone join us next week, I believe, on <clears throat> Wednesday. Well, he's, we're going to talk Tuesday, and then we'll see if we put it out on Wednesday or late Tuesday night. We'll figure that one out. But I think until then, we'll, we'll do outfielders tomorrow. And then Monday and Tuesday's show, I think we'll do well, – we'll put Michael's show on Wednesday. Monday and Tuesday, we'll do some ADP check-ins and just do what we've been kind of doing here already, but specifically – looking at just these early ADP numbers, not in terms of, you know, reviewing positions, just keeping tabs on who's going where, who's moving up, who's moving down, and that sort of thing. That'll be early next week. Until then, check us out over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, at 
Ethos Fantasy BB. Specifically, go follow Ethos Fantasy BB. That's where all of your fantasy content will be released from Sports Ethos and myself next season. Podcasts, articles, different threads on Twitter. That is the place where they will all be. Of course, you can go right to the source. Go check out sportsethos.com. We have basketball. We have football. We have baseball. We have hockey. All four major sports covered for fantasy and also other articles, premium subscriptions. There is a ton of stuff at the website that you can check out. So please do go uh, give it a visit and hit the five-star review button and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. I know that that's something I've been saying a lot here recently, along with the Ethos Fantasy BB, but those are the main points. Go follow Ethos Fantasy BB. If you enjoy what you hear, five-star would go a long way. Leaving a couple of kind words below it would also go a long way into helping us grow and expand our audience here. So guys, thank you so much for hanging out. We will be back again tomorrow. And until then, cheers. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.